Hi, friends. You are listening to the EntreEd Talk podcast, where we feature amazing educators and entrepreneurs showcasing how you can bring entrepreneurship into the classroom. We believe entrepreneurship is for everyone. I am your host, Toy Hirschman, and I am so glad you chose to join me on this journey. Let's go. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the EntreEd Talk podcast. I am, as always, Toy Hirschman, and I am so excited today to have Thane Marcus Ringler back with us. Hey, Thane. Hey, Toy. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. I, uh, I'm grateful I didn't scare too many people away the first time. <laughs> you were a fan favorite. So Thane is a former professional golfer turned author and coach. And like I said, we spoke with him about eight months ago, but he resonated so well with our audience that I was just excited to have him back as soon as I could. So Thane, for those of, for those of the audience that have not listened to the first one, would you be so kind as to give us um, a brief overview or not brief, however you want to do it, of your background and where you where you came from and where you're where you're going <laughs> yeah well i will try my best to be brief you know an open microphone is a dangerous thing for me so <laughs> hey, no, the, I, more, the more you talk the less i talk it always works out better that <laughs> <way>. <laughs> i got it yes um so i i hail from kansas i grew up in the middle of the country in a small town and went out to california for college um i played golf my whole life like you said um, and that led to me playing collegiately and then uh, professionally for about four years. I played on different developmental tours on the around the U.S. and overseas on one Asia tour for a season. It was a really um, awesome opportunity and a really hard journey at the same time. The first half was really characterized by uh, mental struggles, trying to figure out how to perform regardless of the circumstances or the expectations or pressure. And the second half was really the physical struggles, trying to figure out why my body was breaking down and how to solve that. Uh, through it all, uh, I kind of got to the point where I, I was re-examining, was it golf or something else for the future? And that led to me ultimately pivoting. I felt I could be more effective outside the world of golf than within it based on how I'm wired and taking that wiring to others. So I started off on this entrepreneurial journey, which ties in well with your audience and what we're about here uh, of really trying to say, hey, I think I have a gift. I think I have a talent or ability. I think I have experience that could be useful. How can I serve others with that? How can I create a business opportunity around that? And so I started off with a book and a podcast and coaching and a handful of things as most solo entrepreneurs do. Uh, and slowly but surely over the years, I've I've dwindled my focus down into the coaching side of it, really working with individuals and teams on high performance. What does it mean uh, to create and develop and maintain high performance? Um, and specifically among a team, starting with communication and using tools and resources to help us with that. Um, so that's kind of the overarching journey so far. And, and, you know, every day I'm just trying to figure it out. I think that's if I had one one description of an entrepreneur, it's just someone who's trying to figure it out and knows that they don't have it all figured out. <laughs> that is so that is so great. That's that's true. I and mean, we, you know, when we work with teachers and students, and that's a scary prospect sometimes in a classroom, especially as a teacher, when you want to give your kids this this entrepreneurial experience, but you're so used to having everything under control. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's that's very, very difficult. So you have two courses in, in self-awareness and discipline, and I'm mm -hmm. really curious about why those two mm -hmm. areas feel are, 
are really important. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think as I, you know, as I processed what mattered and what helped me in my journey with golf, as I processed that, especially in writing my first book, and then even beyond that and working with individuals and saying, okay, succinctly, what characteristics or traits really propelled me within my craft as a golfer? What made the biggest difference for me in that pursuit? And as I thought about it, it really came down to those two fundamentals of self-awareness and discipline. And it honestly kind of came around uh, counterintuitively because I had this kind of rally cry or mantra that I really enjoyed called take ownership and never settle. And those were kind of two ways of describing what I wanted to be about um, as a as a professional athlete and daily what I was committed to. And then beyond golf, I really wanted to carry those traits forward into my life as a man, as a husband now, as an entrepreneur, as in all these different roles. How can I take ownership of my responsibilities, my thoughts, my actions? And how can I never settle for less than I'm capable of? And really to do that, you need self-awareness on one hand to know what is it that I need to take aware, uh, take ownership of? You know, if I don't know what I'm not taking ownership of, how can I ever change that? Or if I don't know what is necessary of me to take responsibility for, then I can't ever own that. And so self-awareness is foundational to that. And then if you go to never settling, well, at the end of the day, our default posture is settling. If we have an option, we go down the path of least resistance if we don't choose a path. It's like going downstream. You're going to keep going downstream until you make an intentional conscious choice to go upstream. And not only is it an intentional choice, but it takes effort. And that's the thing about discipline. It's an intentional choice to say, I'm not going to default to the path of least resistance. I'm going to choose to go upstream in whatever scenario it is. And then not only am I going to choose that, I'm going to back it up with my effort. And it always takes effort. So uh, those were really the catalyst for, for pit, honing in on those two character traits. And, and it was really fun building those courses because it was like, okay, now that I have these like core ideas, how can we blow this up into a tangible process of growth where we can make uh, real progress and see that growth within ourselves? And, and so that was a really fun journey to go on as well. That's awesome. Um, I'm going to pick your brain a little bit. Um, yes. So self-awareness. Um, I've been reading a lot of self books lately <laughs> mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's kind of a throw around term. And I'm curious is what, what, how you express that, that idea, because it's kind of one of these terms like, Oh, self-aware. Well, what does that mean? It, does that mean I need to meditate? Does that mean I, mm. you know, so I'm curious as to how you kind of define it and how you even help people figure that out, how to become more. Yeah. Yeah. Those are big questions. So like you said, it is very buzzword esque type phrase. Uh, it's thrown around a ton and there's really not a lot of clarity on it, right? Like what does this really mean? What is being aware of myself? And really I think at its core, it's an understanding of why we do what we do and uh, what factors or influence, um, have an influence on what we do. And so in order to do that, I think talking about the process is really helpful to understand that. So I think the simplified process for self-awareness that, that I think is just helpful to name and understand is this idea of discovering, understanding, and then optimizing. So discovering ourselves is really looking back, right? It's looking at the past. It's retroactively knowing ourselves. So it's saying, okay, 
in this golf tournament, it started out for me in golf. So it was like, okay, in this golf tournament, here's the round. After the round, I sit down with a pen and paper and I say, okay, what happened and why? Why did I make these mistakes here? Why did this good shot happen here? What factors led into it? How can I learn from what just happened so I can better understand myself in those situations and moments? So that's discovering. Um, that can apply to any situation, really. Then you look at understanding. Understanding is saying, okay, not retroactively, but actively in the moment of this conversation, how can I understand myself, right? How can I understand that uh, when I look outside or I hear this noise that maybe I'm a little distracted, I lose train of thought and now I'm not with toy anymore or this conversation and I'm somewhere else. So maybe I should stop looking outside as much and start engaging here. Right. So that's an example of understanding in the moment actively as it's happening, having an awareness like, oh, I just did that and that caused this. Interesting. Now I see this correlation and I'm going to adjust accordingly. Uh, then optimizing is that proactively in the future understanding ourselves. So it's saying, okay, I know that I'm about to have a podcast with toy on entre ed. And I know that if I'm going to do a good job, I need to have my preparation dialed in. I need to have some thoughts coming into it. So my mind is in a clear state and I make sure that all my, my bases are covered so I can be fully engaged and present in this conversation. Right. And so I know since I've done several of these or many of these in the past, I know what it takes for me to be successful in those moments and so I'm preparing or optimizing myself because of how I'm wired and I know what the situation requires. So that's an overview of the process. And honestly, I think that's the thing about self-awareness. We get so lost in the ethereal nature of it. Of like, what does this mean? It's such a big term. It's thrown around a lot. And I don't really understand what it means, but it can be as simple as past, present, future, discovering, understanding, and optimizing. Um, and when we can, we can like frame it and have steps with it in that sense, we can really make progress in it in some powerful ways. I love that. You got to be careful with self-awareness though. You might go too far. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. Cause I think that's a really important point, I have, right? I have OCD. The whole podcast knows about this now. <laughs> so, yes. So, so I'm just thinking I could really take that a little too far. This, this is beautiful. I'm glad you brought that up because that's an under stated point is that there is a far side to self-awareness that's not helpful. And I like to describe it as hyper-awareness. And so the self-awareness that is helpful is just having nudges to help ourselves be the person that we want to be. Ultimately, there's a great book that it's kind of in the weeds for people, but if you like going in the weeds, it's called Strangers to Ourselves by Timothy Wilson. He dives into a lot of the research on this. And really what was interesting is this guy, this researcher and scientist that dives into this self idea of self-awareness and understanding ourselves. At the end of the book, he says, um, at the end of the day, if you dive too deep in this, it can lead you to depression and despair because you realize how little we actually control consciously. Our subconscious mind controls so much of our day. So he said, you know, it's actually not helpful to dive that deep. What is helpful is to align our subconscious and conscious minds as much as possible, meaning we act like the person we say we are or who we want to be. It's as simple as that. So the person that you want to be and the person that you actually are trying to align those as much as possible is what produces health and integrity or wholeness within us. So the idea of self-awareness is saying, I want to just be aware of myself enough to know where that's out of alignment and just work on aligning that more, not understanding the depths of everything about who I am, because it's really impossible for us to do that. So that hyper-awareness is the dark side that that we do want to avoid. We don't want to go so deep into that, that it becomes crippling and debilitating. 
Yeah, I like that. I'm glad that you said that because that is something we can really get stuck inside there mm-hmm. sometimes. And it's sometimes not a very good place to be stuck. <laughs> no, yeah, we, 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 come, we become paralyzed, right? Like I, I think any of us who have tried to, to understand ourselves have found ourselves in that place at some point because it's almost like an overcorrection then. Um, and, and it's definitely a, a, it's a really scary and frustrating place to be. Definitely, definitely. Wow. So you, so you have some, you took your experience from golf and you've now built this amazing company around it with all of these different things. So can you share maybe some universal ideas that came, Mm -hmm. that you're able to take from golf and apply it to education consultancy or or whatever it happens to be? Yes. Yeah, there's so many lessons um, that come from the game of golf that we can really apply to ourselves. Um, I'll I'll mention a couple that come to mind. One is um, this idea of the most important shot. What is the most important shot in golf? And and I think I actually wrote a blog post about this. You can find some more on, but but it's just simply the premise that the most important shot in golf is the next one. That's all that matters, right? And so similarly in entre education, um, in these kind of things, right? It's easy as entrepreneurs to get stuck on past mistakes, past failures, things that didn't work out how we hoped, or maybe it being different than we had imagined, right? And we get stuck on these things, but we don't realize that what's most important for us to focus on is the shot at hand, what we're about to do or execute on, what we need to get done right now, the top priority in that sense. And, and it's so hard because we all face this this uh, inclination towards self-deprecation, right? This inclination towards like dwelling on past mistakes or blunders or faults of our own that inhibits our ability to keep making baby steps forward. And, And this is so true in golf. You know, you hit a bad shot in golf. It sets your stressors, your fight or flight, fear response system, just ablaze. You know, one of the examples I share often is there's a, a mini tour event in Kansas, my hometown, my home state, and uh, my parents were there and I was having a, a pretty challenging round. I wasn't playing my best and I was grinding. I was really trying to fight it out. And I remember par five, I usually can take advantage because I'm longer off the tee. And I hit a great drive right in the middle of the fairway. I'm like licking my chops. I'm ready for an eagle. You know, if I hit a good second shot, I can get on the green and maybe make an eagle turn this round around. Well, it's a six iron. It should be a relatively straightforward shot. I get up over it. And when I get a little excited, I, I kind of get sometimes on my toes. That's one of my, if we're talking self-awareness, that's one of my tendencies that I wasn't pro- optimizing myself against, right? And so in this shot, I was excited, pumped up. I really wanted to make it happen. And I got a little on my toes, which moved me closer to the ball. And as a result, the ball moved closer to the hosel of the club, meaning a shank. So I shanked a six iron from the center of the fairway, OB, out of bounds, which means when you hit a ball out of bounds, you get the opportunity to drop a ball and hit the same shot over again, but with a stroke penalty. So talk about um, really, it was a life shattering event, right? It just rattles you to the core. It's embarrassing. It's humiliating. It's infuriating. All these things that just set you off. And now I have to, within 60 seconds, hit the same shot over again. And so that is the ultimate test of how can I put this immediate past out of my mind and remember 
the hundreds of thousands of six irons that I know how to hit in the center of the face exactly where I want to go. Um, and so that's an extreme example of, of realizing the most important shot in golf is the next one. And, and understanding that if I'm only dwelling on how pissed off I am and how, um, how embarrassing that was, I'm probably not going to hit a good shot. But if I really fight to remember what I'm capable of and the task at hand and the shot that I really envision hitting right now, that's the only way I can pull that shot off. Now, it wasn't uh, the, to end the story. I didn't hit an incredible shot. I hit an OK shot, but it felt incredible because I was able to at least put it up on the green. Um, and so that was a that was almost a feat. Uh, that I still remember being one of the hardest uh, shots I've hit in a professional golf setting because of um, the the level of um, stress and anxiety around that shot and embarrassment that came from it. And so that's just one example of, of how we can focus on the shot at hand and try to uh, remember the core identity of who we are and the strengths we have without um, letting past blunders uh, set us off course. Wow. Well, that has so many parallels for everybody. Wow. So yeah. So this idea of, I I guess maybe, I guess maybe it's called imposter syndrome when Mm -hmm. you and and you're building up all of these ideas and and the self-deprecating nature from your past and you want to start something new or pivot to something, maybe not completely new, but you've got this idea like, oh, there's, no way I can do that because I don't have this and I don't have that. And I had this experience. And so I can mm-hmm. see that where that would be, that would be definitely, definitely hard to do. And you've got that, that uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Of, I mean, we're never certain about anything, but the uncertainty about like, what if I fail and I could fail and I could screw everything up and lose all my money or yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's a really tough, um, a tough principle. Yeah. You know, the other one that's tied to that, that that comes to mind just briefly is um, this idea of self-deprecation and how it affects all of us. Uh, There's a tool I've partnered with Giant Worldwide in my business. They've got some great tools and resources for working with organizations and teams and even individuals. Um, But one of their tools is this idea of calling up versus calling out. And it's this idea that um, to, to bring out the best in others, to liberate others, to be their best selves and ourselves to be our best. We need to focus on calling each other up, not calling each other out, right? For what they did that wasn't good or what we did that wasn't good versus calling us up to what we can do, what we know we're capable of doing. And so in golf, um, you know, this is such a common thing because it's very easy to self-deprecate and beat ourselves up of saying, you know, Uh, For example, you hit a bad shot and then you just start berating yourself and then you hit another bad shot because you're thinking about, you know, what you just did wrong and it bleeds into three or four bad shots or maybe a few bad holes when it could have been just one bad shot. If you relate it to business, you know, as an entrepreneur, a lot of times you wear all the hats in business. And so for me, even personally, wearing the hat of sales, sales is not a strong suit for me. It's something that I have to, I have to work at. I have to grow in my ability in and and it's really easy if I have a sales type conversation or I'm in the, on the business development pathway and it doesn't go well, right? Or they say no, or the proposal's rejected. It's very easy to start calling myself out. Oh, you suck at sales. You're not good at this. Maybe you shouldn't be an entrepreneur. Maybe you should just find a, a stable job where you can get a paycheck. You know, all those things that you just keep hearing from yourself. And ultimately that keeps me in a downward spiral. It, it, 
uh, prohibits me from having the influence and impact on the people that I want to serve. And it keeps me from progressing in my business. And so this idea of calling myself up to what I'm capable of and who I know I can be versus maybe this result that didn't go how I wanted to is a really important frame shift for us to keep moving forward in a positive direction. Love that idea. And I can see how it would be such a good idea for teams, mm-hmm. especially when you have, you know, because we're always so quick to point out what's wrong, but we're not so quick to point out what's right. <laughs> a funny yeah. experience. I taught eighth grade for a minute um, when I first started teaching. And I don't know who told me this or where it came from, but someone said for every, for every negative phone call you have to make, make two positive ones. And I would start calling these parents and they would be freaking out that I'm calling them. And they're like, what happened? And I'm like, oh, he got a 98 on his test. I just wanted you to know in case he didn't bring it home. And the parents were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it, but it was one of the best things because I was just for the first time, I had a lot of, of kids who were struggling because when mm-hmm. you're a new teacher, they, they shouldn't do that, but they give, they give you the hardest, um, the hardest classes, but they were the most beautiful children mm. ever, but they just didn't hear a whole lot of positive things. And um, so, yeah, that, I can see how that would be a huge, huge bonus, especially just even in your own head saying, okay, that was a bad sales call. Yeah. But that's not the only sales call I've ever had. And I know there could be a million reasons why this happened that have nothing to do with me. Totally. Yeah. You know, it's like you said, it's, uh, I think, I think it goes back to, the discipline idea, right? Because uh, I think if we don't have an intention or a consciousness around it, we all default to deprecation. We all default to beating ourselves up. I think it's really easy to beat ourselves up um, about things that didn't go as we hoped or planned. And so this idea of, and, and you see this even like just to add another layer, you see this in relationships, right? So in partnership with your spouse, like for me and my wife, it's, it's one of those things that if I'm not bringing consciousness or intention to it, I will often default to calling her out versus calling her up. And then what happens is she'll default to calling me out. And then it's a downward spiral. It's not helpful for either of us. Right. And so we don't want that. Neither of us want that in our relationship, but if we aren't conscious or intentional in how we go about that, we're going to default to it. And so you see that in relationships, you see that on teams, and you see that internally. Uh, so it really is something that we can we can all grow in. And I don't think we'll ever stop that process. But just having that simple tool or idea of how can I call myself or someone else up rather than calling them out can be a really great reminder in those moments. Wow, I love that. So let's talk about discipline for a second. Because so you, you had an extreme pivot um, by going from professional golf and then deciding I'm going to make this shift, but you didn't make a shift, like a safe shift. You made, I mean, you took calculated risks, but talk about how you pivoted and how that discipline, how you kind of shifted the focus of your discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think it does take, um, again, going, I mean, tying it in with self-awareness, you do need to know, Um, who you are and what you're trying to accomplish or bring. So for me, uh, sitting with myself and really reflecting on what my life had brought in that time of deciding on what the pivot was, um, I just knew that I was intrinsically motivated and I had a lot of discipline built in because of my background in golf. And because of those, those were mainly the, the two factors that 
decided, Hey, I think I can go the entrepreneurial route because I have the discipline and internal motivation to move through the inherent obstacles that will always be there for that path. Right. Um, and so that was really a big part of me deciding that. Um, but, but it's not for everyone. I think that's always important to underscore is that entrepreneurship is hard and it's really not for everyone and it's not better or worse than a traditional employment type route. I think it really depends on how you're wired and what brings you life and health. Um, and so a lot of times entrepreneurship can sound sexy. It can be something that is glamorized or idealized, but I, I think in reality, there is no better path. It's what's best for you. Um, and then, like you said, discipline really ties in, in the sense that, um, especially as an entrepreneur, no one else is going to get the job done. It's all on your shoulders, right? Same in golf, right? I can't bank on teammates. I can't bank on coaches. I can't bank on referees to make calls that go my way. Like in golf, it's truly you on an island. So you have to have 100% ownership of the results and never settle again for, for less than you're capable of. If you start settling, then the chances that you're successful go drastically down. Um, and, and really in entrepreneurship, that's equally true. There's a million great ideas out there and a lot of great gifted people going after them. Um, if you're going to be able to own the marketplace or create some of your market share, you have to not settle. You have to give it your all and you have to be disciplined, um, especially with all the distractions that come. Love that. Love that. Discipline kind of is also a, I don't want to say it's a dirty word, but, <laughs> but it kind of, it's one of those things that like, cause you don't want to hear it. I, you know, I just want to be, I just want to create my thing and just people will just know and, and it's just going to happen. Mm -hmm. Discipline. I don't want to be that. I, mm -hmm. I'm creative. I don't want to be disciplined. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really true. I love that you brought that up. Actually, I wrote a blog series on discipline. One of them was titled discipline. I know you're cringing um, because that's the case, right? <laughs> when you hear the word, we cringe, we say, Ugh, I don't like that. I don't want that. You know, that sounds hard and not fun. Um, and, you know, it's funny, if you think about the origins of that, I, I think it really goes back to childhood for most of us, because in our earlier years, we first learn about discipline in a negative connotation. It's getting in trouble for doing something bad or that we shouldn't have, right? And so this early idea of discipline shapes how we think about or view it, even subconsciously throughout the rest of our lives. So a lot of it is just reframing it, understanding, okay, I'm not meaning discipline as punishment for bad. I'm meaning discipline as the structure and framework that will unleash my best. And it's a completely different uh, lens that we can take to it of saying, look, like discipline actually equals freedom, as Jocko Willink said. And he's got a great book on that, even with a lot of pithy statements in it on it. But, but it's this idea that through discipline, we get to express our fullest, greatest gifts. It's like a painting needs structure. It needs a canvas to be a painting, but on that canvas, it can be anything, right? It has to have the boundaries of that discipline, but within that discipline, it can be whatever it wants to be. It can be as abstract as something that you can't yet interpret or as clear as like a real life image. Um, and, and I think that's really true in our lives is that by having healthy disciplines that we're committed to good habits, good systems and structures uh, for our day and for operating, then we're freed up to unleash our creative talents and abilities to their fullest. Um, and if you, if you speak to really any of the most creative people that, that culture praises, 
almost all of them have really strict disciplines around their creative outlet around their production of whatever they're, they're creating. And so I, I think it's how we're wired humanly. It's this, it's this kind of tension of, of holding defined boundaries, but also expressing within that. And, and we all benefit from it. Yeah, that's wonderful. That kind of leads into this idea of mindsets. And I really wanted to ask you about this because um, we talk about the entrepreneurial mindset, but really all of the things that make up the entrepreneurial mindset are great for everybody. It's mm. like these universal truths. Um, but I'm curious what's your take on, on building, growing and building mindsets in the context of your consultancy or in mm. your, however, whatever context you want to frame it in, but just having these, this idea of mindsets. And I've shared with you before, I'm working on my dissertation and it was very difficult to explain an entrepreneurial mindset to my committee members who are all faculty and not mm -hmm. in entrepreneurship. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a difficult thing to, to wrap people's head around is what is that? What does it mean? And what does it mean to build good ones? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I think at its core, there's, there's some, and by no means do I have uh, ownership of the definition here. I think there's a lot of good definitions that, that can be given as I think about it now, I'd say that it, at its core, it's this, this ability to have the perspective or mindset that um, problem solving is a good thing, that, that, that obstacles and challenges are actually opportunities, that um, pivots and shifts are necessary for growth, you know, things that are unconventional in that sense. So a lot of times we have a plan and we start developing an action plan to accomplish that bigger plan. And we set off on the path, right? It's very unnatural for us to enjoy or embrace when that plan changes, right? When that when those steps start going in a different direction than we had originally intended, it's very unnatural for us to embrace and accept that. An entrepreneur has to, because the 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 core elements of entrepreneurship is shifting and changing and adapting to what the customer is telling you. So you have this idea, this problem you need to solve, but really that's your idea and not the customer's. And if you are solving a problem that no one else wants to be solved, that's not going to be a successful business. <laughs> and so it's, it, it's, it's, I guess in sense, it has, there's elements of courage. You have to have the courage to try and do something challenging and hard that maybe hasn't been done before that you think the world deserves to have or needs. So it takes a huge sense of courage. And then it takes... Uh, a superpower of seeing obstacles as opportunities, of seeing challenges as um, just problems to be solved um, and pivots to be made to find what it really needs to be. Um, and that's, that's honestly a really hard thing to maintain. So it really is kind of a discipline or a practice in and of itself. But I guess that's my initial stab at it. But I'm curious to hear uh, your thoughts on, on the mindset as well. No, I love, I love that. It's, I mean, it kind of goes back to, I don't know if she was the original one that coined the term growth mindset, but that Carol Dweck um, mm -hmm. has this amazing book. If anyone hasn't read it, it's been mentioned about a thousand times on this podcast, <laughs> but it's awesome. But it's just that idea of having this growth, this growth mindset. And, and then kind of to build on that with entrepreneurship, it's like not letting these, not letting these changes of plans turn into brick walls mm -hmm. and, and you know but that is very difficult it's very difficult when you have the best idea in the world you think 
and then turns out nah, maybe it's some of it's okay but you really need to shift over here because you're not meeting these needs mm -hmm. or, but it's um it's but it's that's that's the entrepreneurial lifestyle that that pivot and figuring out like you just have to be comfortable with being on this journey mm -hmm. yeah yeah it really is a journey you know and enjoying the journey and not really doing it for a destination is i think another layer deeper of of what leads to success not necessarily from a external or um, popular opinion of what success is, but from an internal and personal level of what success, you know, a lot of times I think the way that startup culture is today and entrepreneurship often is, is tied to startup culture in many ways uh, is scale and, um, and sell, right? It's, it's create and scale as fast as possible. So you can exit with a nice, uh, nice sum to your name. And, and really that's not going to produce the best product for the consumer or the best reality for you. Um, cause the fulfillment isn't in necessarily that end sum. The fulfillment is in doing a job well done and really serving people well along the way. Um, Reaching a mountaintop is great for a moment, but we always have another hill to climb. So if we live for that mountaintop, it's going to be very short and fleeting and unfulfilling. Uh, so I think it's really important just to remember that um, uh, scaling at all costs and as fast as possible is not the best recipe for success, even if that's what the startup or tech community uh, preaches. Uh, there's a lot of incentives behind that. But really, as you said, the journey is the benefit of it, embracing the journey and understanding that growth is a good thing. And it's a part of our entire lives, hopefully. Um, and through that, we can really bless a lot of other people, including ourselves by just understanding that we're on, we're in process, right? We're all in process and there is no final destination to that. That's awesome. It, I've known some people that have that, that mindset and in tech in the tech industry that have that, like, they're building this thing, but with the, the end goal of selling it to Snapchat or, mm -hmm. whoever. <laughs> mm -hmm. and I always thought that was kind of not, not that that's a bad thing. You know, if that's what you want to do, that's great. But mm -hmm. I feel like you take all of the passion out of it when you do that, because mm -hmm. you're just doing it. it. I mean, it doesn't, I don't want to say icky money, but you're doing it for, for this, this very specific end goal, not, mm -hmm. and not and not to really build something that you're passionate, which it doesn't seem to like that aligns that would mm -hmm. put you out of that, that conscious subconscious alignment and, mm -hmm. and wouldn't feel like a, I don't know. I, I don't think I'd want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, I think it's important to caveat with saying like generalizations are only generally true. And so by all means, there's good people doing similar things that can be done in a good way. And yes, it doesn't mean that that is a bad route for everyone. But it does mean that I think what's often not mentioned or talked about, and I've actually worked with clients before or talked with a bunch of people in this position where there's a lot of um, there's um, a lot of collateral damage is the best way to say it. So when you do go that route, typically the people that are on your boat or going with you, there's going to be a lot of fallout and damage to those people because of the necessary change in a transition of a buyout like that. Um, and a lot of people could be hurt and unfortunately negatively impacted by that. It's not saying that always happens, but that's more often the case than not from what I've heard. And, and part of that's business and you can definitely make that case. But I think understanding the opportunity costs with each path we choose to take is just helpful to making an informed decision on, on how we want to go about it. 
That's perfect. That's that. I love that. I love that term opportunity cost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we, uh, just actually just recently started using that in some of our trainings and stuff. Mm. It's a little more of an advanced idea than some of the basic stuff, but I like that idea about thinking about what, what is the impact of what you're, what you're doing or what you're planning. And especially when it comes to humanity Mm. and the people that are going to be impacted by your decisions. I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's another blog post. It's been a while since I I've been back there, but it's called there are no free lunches. (laughs) And it's kind of breaking down that uh, idea of opportunity costs because yeah, it's, it's, it's a kind of a initially it can be a challenging concept to understand, but the more we become familiar with it, um, it definitely helps us in our decision making, and even knowing which risks are worth taking, like you talked about before. That's great. So what other things would you like to share before we start to wrap up? Because I could talk to you for like the rest of the day, but you probably mm-hmm. have to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, likewise. Um, I have to feed my children at some point. But yeah. <laughs> um, but what other things that we that you maybe are new or on your horizon that we haven't talked about or that I just don't know about? Yeah, there's a couple things. Uh, one that came to mind is I think I mentioned earlier Giant Worldwide, but there is some really cool resources there if people want to check out for free. Um, if they go to giant.tv slash Thane, T-H-A-N-E, they can get an account um, for there's a bunch of free content on there for self-development, self-leadership, um, a lot of great resources there. And then with that, they have a personality assessment called the five voices based off Myers-Briggs. So it has all the data from that, but it really makes it a little bit more practical and actionable. Myers-Briggs is great, but INFJ, like I don't ever use that in real life, but understanding that my foundational leadership voice is creative. It really, so it really helps me implement it into my daily life. And it really is effective in teams, but all that being said that you can take the assessment for free as well. Uh, the link for that is giant.tv slash five, the number voices uh, slash thing. And that's where you can take the assessment for free. And honestly, Ed, if you're listening and, and you want to kind of dive into personality, it's a great tool for self-awareness of, of saying, oh man, this is like reading me like a book right now. And this is how I typically operate. And, and I'm not crazy for doing that. Right. So I think that's a big part of self-awareness. It's a great tool to help. Um, and it really, I've benefited a ton from it in my life and even in my marriage and relationship with others uh, is just super, it's super helpful and practical. So I think people would really enjoy that. Cool. Yeah, I did. I did stumble upon that because I saw it on your um, email and I was like, what is that? I clicked on it. <laughs> yes. But it's really cool. It's really neat. Yeah. And, uh, and then the other thing I mentioned is, you know, speaking of combining golf and leadership development, something that I, I'm really excited about is kind of a new uh, entrepreneurial journey of my own. So I'm, I'm creating a new wing of my business called the Leadership Majors. And what it is, is a combination of leadership development with golf competition and game improvement at an epic destination. Um, and these are going to be weekend retreats for business leaders, executives, people that want to invest in their own development um, that follows around the major championships in golf. So in golf, there's four majors throughout the year. And for each one, either the weekend before or the weekend after, there'll be a leadership major. Um, And I'm really excited about it. So next year, we're starting with three. We're not doing a full schedule. Uh, We're starting off with three, which includes the leadership cup based on the president's cup. 
Um, and I'm really, I'm really stoked to get those off the ground. Cause you know, there's something about, I think you've probably read some on this, but you know, lateral thinking or, um, lateral learning of having these two different realms that are complementary but different where you learn the same thing it, it deepens the impact of that learning so by learning things in a leadership development session and then transferring that to how we can improve as a golfer it just makes that meaning that much deeper and more impactful and, and that's really the hope for, for these events how cool plus oh how much fun is that <laughs> i know right expensing a golf trip man who wouldn't want to do that come on that is the coolest. Oh, wow. That's so exciting. I'm glad you're able to do that. Thank you. I want to go, but I stink at golf. I <laughs> I'd be, I did, my, my gains would be tremendous because I, <laughs> yes. But, oh, that's wonderful. Well, as if there's um, any, any advice that you might give to a young person that is listening to this or their mm-hmm. teachers listening, they, they stumble upon this and they, that they're like, wow, you know, he seems like a normal guy. Can I want to, I want to do something like that. Do you have any advice for someone that, that might be sitting there going, I want to be like Thane? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the first thing I always want to share, and I wish I would have knew, knew this at a younger age is that we're all just trying to figure it out. I don't have it all figured out. Toy doesn't have it all figured out. There isn't anyone out there who has it all figured out you know, Steve Jobs, who, you know, now it's Tim Cook, Tim Cook running Apple, right? He doesn't have it all figured out. None of these uh, tech superstars, Elon Musk doesn't have it all figured out. Everyone is just trying to figure it out. And that's really going to be true our entire lives. So it's easy to look at these images and pictures of of people with a lot of success, or even, um, you know, us talking on these microphones, which gives us a platform, right? At the end of the day, we're all just trying to figure it out. And you can too. That's what I want to encourage you with. You can figure it out too, alongside us. We need more people trying to figure it out, being intentional, trying to create a better way, trying to serve others with good ideas or things that the world needs. Um, And so I want that to empower you to say, Hey, they're just trying to figure out and I can do that too. Um, and, and so that's, and so that's really a plug to be a lifelong learner to say, we never want to stop learning and growing, um, and to take courage and, and take a step of faith towards that vision or dream that you have. Um, because we really do need more people trying to figure it out alongside us. That is awesome. That could be like a quote on. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, hopefully. Thank you so much for coming back. And I just appreciate you and your conversation. And I know our audience does as well. So I'm just so grateful that you were able to give us some of your time today. Well, thanks for having me. It's a, it's an honor to be back on and I love uh, the mission you guys are about and trying to support in whatever way I can. So keep up the good work. Thank you. And before uh, we mentioned it, some, some stuff, but if you want to give us, why don't you give everybody your contact details so they know where to go we'll put everything in the show notes so it'll be easy and clickable yeah thane marcus thanemarcus.com is kind of my headquarters you can go there to find blogs and um coaching offerings and online courses books and uh and then there's also some email information there you can reach out uh, or on the socials at at thane marcus pretty much on all of them um so yeah would love for you guys to reach out and share any thoughts you have Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it's nice having a different name because you can get all of those. <laughs> yes. I have all of mine, our toy herdsmen, because there's not very many of us. So good. Yes. 
That's awesome. Well, thank you so much again. And you have a great rest of your day and weekend. Thanks to you too.